Are you a self-proclaimed pop culture enthusiast? Do you think of your witty letterbox review halfway through the movie? Do your friends groan at the seriously awesome fun facts that you share during a watch party? If you answered yes to any of these, let's be best friends. Hi, I'm Emma Glicker, and I have the same number of Oscars as Amy Adams. Join me for the Industry Wannabe podcast as we indulge in our insatiable entertainment endeavors. You've got a podcast voice going on. I've got a podcast voice? I'm not trying to put one on. <laughs> you sound so different. That's so weird. And you're like, also- I've got a podcast voice. You're like, okay, we're ready to start. No, I feel like it's also because there's a camera on me, and I'm not, oh. a, I'm not a self-proclaimed actress. Oh. Which- we can take the camera off. <laughs> no, it's okay. I need, to, I need to learn this, because one day... Hopefully. Imagine all the crazy interviews you're going to have to do because, like, yeah. you broke, like... All my press junkets going to be Higher-grossing so... movie than Avatar. <laughs> Imagine. And James Cameron. The but James would Cameron you want me Avatar. to dethrone him? You really like James Cameron. I would be fine with you dethroning <laughs> James Cameron. I'll take you with me. I'm Don't like, worry. Avatar movie or Emma Glicker movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one day I'll get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyways. Self-fund your own Avatar movie. Make technology. Uh, donate to the Indiegogo. I will post mm-hmm, that link. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, I think this is the Industry Wannabe podcast. And I'm here with my good friend, my good, good Judy, Courtney Waybright. Yippee! <laughs> so, have you ever done a podcast? No, I haven't. I've never done a podcast before. I mean, we always say, like, oh, I think we would be good in a podcast, but I really think yeah. that's... We made that one voice recording in the Brumby study room. I think that's only really entertaining for us. Yeah. Anyways, Courtney and I met freshman year at UGA, and I think we've both realized that with our time together, we really just need to be following our dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Courtney, Courtney Waybright, Courtney Lee Waybright, can I say your full name on the podcast? Yeah, sure. Should I say your social security number on the podcast? Yeah, so it's 668. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Who do you want to be? This is the industry wannabe podcast, darling. Let's um, get to know who you are. Well, I want to act. Um, and I, yeah, I want to be in awesome, cool movies that, like, just transport me and other people to, like, different worlds. Um, and I want to be awesome and cool. Mm-hmm. But more than I already am. Yeah. And... I don't necessarily want an EGOT because I don't know how I'd get a Tony, but... Really? I've, I've heard your singing voice. I think you could well, get one. I could get a Grammy if, if Brighter Than the Sun becomes famous. Or get a plug that here. Yeah, Brighter Than the Sun, new musical by Colin Henley. Shout out. Yeah. All right. So I brought Courtney on here today. I thought she would be great as our inaugural guest because... We share a common disease, some people may call it, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but we are proud of it. And what is that, Courtney? The disease of liking the movie Garden State, directed by Zach Braff. To be fully transparent to my listeners and my audience and to everybody who's here, I have some inherent bias. I'm just going to say it right here. Um, Zach Braff, I did grow up in the same town as him, adjacent. 
Um, my mom went to the same high school. I know and I love that place where the movie takes place in the Garden State, the New Jersey, the South Orange, New Jersey. Uh, and I don't think that's why what makes me like the movie, but I'm just going to put that out there so that you know I have some bias. But Courtney, she's never even been to New Jersey, right? Correct. I've never been. My dad did live there, though. Okay. So there might be some generational, like, fondness. Yeah. Well, and they mentioned Julia Roberts in it. Oh. And why is Julia Roberts important to you? Well, because I went to the same high school as Julia Roberts. Wow. We have those degrees of separation there. So, we've established that you have no connection to the state, so your bias is not because of the setting. Correct. So, why do you like the movie? I like the movie... Because it kind of just feels like a warm hug in a way of like, like it does have like some like more heavy emotional parts, but I can like giggle all the way through it. A lot of people, there are two camps I feel like of people who watch Garden State and those are the people who love it and those who absolutely despise it. And I think both sides are completely valid. Um, Do you want to kind of get into the explanation of why people despise it? Um, people don't like it, one, because some some people on Reddit think it's boring. It's blah. I don't think it's boring because it keeps me giggling. Yeah. Um, but the other reason is because they don't like Sam, Natalie Portman's, char- Natalie Portman's character, mm-hmm. um, as a manic pixie dream girl. And I... Everybody who knows Emma Gooker knows that one of my goals is to liberate the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I think that label needs to be um, connotated, is that a word, differently? Mm-hmm. <laughs> needs to have mm-hmm. it carry a different connotation because it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you go into watching a movie like knowing, oh, hey, Clementine from Eternal Sunshine is a Manic Pixie Dream Girl you're going to see her in the light of a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. You're not going to give her that space to have her autonomy. And I think it's the same for Sam, Natalie Portman, in Garden State, where she really does have a lot of autonomy and a lot of her own assets, but people, like, just refuse and write her off as this quirky little girl. Yeah. I also think they forget, and I I realized this when I was watching, like, rewatching, um... She talks about, like, her job in a law office, and I don't think, like, people, when they say man, if you yeah, picture dream girl, want to admit, like, that they're intelligent She or invites anything. this man into her life. Like, you literally see almost everything about her. Yeah. And to say that she's only there to help him through his, like, brooding time, his depressed yeah. time. She didn't know who was brooding. She was just like, can you drive me home? Yeah, and she even says the first, the first thing she says is, I'm not riding in the sidecar, because if you ride in the sidecar, you're immediately a bitch. And she's not anybody's bitch. So she establishes her separation from this person almost at the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. I also think, like, a lot of people say, like, she has no character arc, or, like, Manic Pixie Dream Girls in general don't have any character arcs. And I, it doesn't, like have to necessarily be there in all the cases like in garden state it's a span of three days and i don't think anybody should be expected to one change in three days but also i don't think she doesn't have a character arc because at the beginning of the movie she's like oh like 
I'm so weird. Like, you're totally freaked out right now. Like, I'll stop doing what you want. Or, like, um, he does, like, she doesn't want him to see her yeah. skating videos. Yeah. But it's, like, she learns that he genuinely does. Yeah. Like, she doesn't and have to worry about how he sees her. I don't think we put those expectations onto other characters who aren't labeled as a manic pixie dream girl of them to have this giant character arc through, th- through a rom-com, like, going back to that. Because I guess a manic pixie dream girl... The opposite of that, I think, would be a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, both are, like, worth saving in their, like, redemption. Mm-hmm. But I think people expect, like, they cast this misogyny on them. In yeah. A way. I feel like even with damsels in distress, like, there are some times when you're like, girl, you could be doing more. Like, <laughs> like Snow pick White. Pick it up. <laughs> like, we're not talking about Snow White here. I think I'm talking about, like, Fiona or Rapunzel, the ones that are, like, trapped. And they, like, they can't, they literally physically can't get out. Yeah. Like, of course it's a damsel in distress. They are trapped. Yeah, somebody has to save them. Yeah. Also, again, was somebody saving them? Like, that in itself is a plot. Like, can we not, can we not acknowledge that? Yeah. And that's not, like, writing somebody else off. Like, it's not giving, you're not giving... I don't think Sam gives everything to Zach Braff's character, uh, Andrew, at all. Yeah, not immediately. No, I don't think. And she not even, even within the full movie. Like, yeah, they still she doesn't so much give up anything to yeah. be with him. This is true. <laughs> that poor, except for that poor hamster. Well, Jelly, rest <laughs> in peace, Jelly. <laughs> Maybe you should have stayed off that damn trainer wheel. <laughs> yeah. Again, why are we blaming Sam? There are definitely scenes where you can cringe at it, like cringe at her. But I think that she like the point is she doesn't care she doesn't care if she's being cringy she wants to be she says she proclaimed that she wants to be the most original person at some points yeah um and she doesn't want to like it's i think people are so like not used to and therefore like almost like confused and afraid of when people or when like girls specifically aren't embarrassed yeah that's true because like i think like men and boys can walk through life and do just like random stuff all the time and they're like oh like that's just boys like there they go and they don't have to worry about being embarrassed yeah but the minute like a girl wants to do something that isn't just like sit there Mm -hmm. and look cute like they're weird and annoying and she brings him to her childhood bedroom like the first time they meet and she shares like tickle yeah i think that's i don't you can say that's cringe that's fine i think it's really endearing yeah and it's like even if you see that as cringe like the character yeah why the characters still decide to stay i think a lot of people see her they think that she's a like a baby but i just think she's like she doesn't feel the need to leave her comfort space yeah and i think like they, I think a lot of people ignore also when you see, like, the moments of, like, oh, like, this is actually a very, like, emotionally mature woman. Yes. Like, when they're in the bar. Yes. Um, people, I think, just brush over, especially that scene. Yeah. Because they she just... Establishes herself, her, establishes herself as a really headstrong, like, she knows, um, she knows how to regulate herself. Yeah. And also... She's just a person with who chooses to have a positive outlook on life. Yeah. Um, and that's people, not being people childish. Will, yeah, and people will yap and yap and just like, 
oh, you got to stay positive. But then when you see someone actually stay yeah. positive in, They like, think she's being a baby, like, a babyish yeah, outlook and that she's life. childish. Yeah. Like, there you can a have scene... a positive out- outlook and not real and still know that there are problems yeah. in the world. There is that scene where they get to the quarry and Andrew goes, um, you are innocent, that's why I like you. And I think a lot of people take that as, like, ew, that's, like, why would he say that? But... Like, yeah, that's kind of Yeah, weird. like, it is kind of weird. But... He likes some... <laughs> no. I, Zach Braff does like them young, but Florence Pugh is doing her own thing now. Yeah. She's diving. Post-Zach Braff. Post-Zach Braff life thrive. Um, anyways, where were we? Oh, he says that. You're innocent, that's why I like you. But that scene as a whole, I really like. Yeah. But especially, like... You can cut the scene there and be like, that's really weird. But then yeah. if you let it play for 30 more seconds, like, it's like, it was so, I think, meant to be playful. Yeah. And it might have just been the delivery that makes yeah. it seem like, like, he actually is like, you're innocent and that's what I like No, I, I don't you. think he's like, like a, ooh, you're innocent. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think no, it was definitely- like, she's laughs about it. She goes, oh, you're protecting me. Yeah, it's a very, like, playful context and, like- playfulness to it but then at the same time it's it's kind of like a half joking thing where mm-hmm. it's like i'm gonna say this playfully but at the end of the day i still mean it mm-hmm. and then i think the same with sam she's like oh you're protecting me you're protecting me <laughs> where it's like right now it's a tease but at the yeah. end of the day it's like oh he's protecting also, can me can we can we just like say right now that he doesn't leave her at the end of the movie i think a lot of people neglect that like yeah he does not leave her. This is not a sad, like, oh, she fixes him and then he, he takes his newfound life and leaves and is successful. No, he stays for her. Yeah. He changes his entire life, one, with, like, stopping taking his medication. Yeah. But, like, he very much irreversibly changes whatever path he was on, mm-hmm. which, I mean, was a bad one. Like, it, it was more, like... Bad, like, in a, like, he wouldn't get anywhere. He would not be fulfilled. Yeah. He would just be that zombie. I, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it would be, I think it's good for the character's, like, creative mindset, too. Because yeah. imagine, like, how much, like, better he would be, like, without the meds, like, back in his hometown, like, with, like, an actual, like, friend and someone he loves. He does not take Sam on this, like, emotional wreck journey. Like, he doesn't cause any distress yeah. except for when he leaves. But then he comes back like a yo-yo. And I oh wait, think... like a boomerang. <laughs> That's the phrase. I think part of it also is like when they have the scenes where he's like, "Oh well, I'm actually in town because my mother died." Yeah, you can like see, like in the acting, and I think just in the script as well. Like, you can see how he's not doing it to trauma dump. He's not doing no. it to be like solve my problems for me because yeah. you're pretty. He's doing he it in a, like he it. hesitates. He's like, yeah. "Well, you know, like." Because well, he's I'm had a funeral for a hamster, too. For my mother's funeral. And she was like... And then she asks, when did she die? It's not like he's trying to make yeah. her feel bad for her so that she can heal him. Yeah. It's very much a, I'm I'm sharing something. And then, like, she begins to share things with him. Yeah. Once she realizes that, like, she won't be judged for it. Yeah. Um, I also think Sam does not subscribe to his worldview when he, like, tells it to her. Like, he doesn't find a home anymore. Like, home does not exist. Because I think she still feels very much at home. Yeah. And she finds, like, she's close to the things that she loves. Where he is so far away from any of that. And she doesn't agree with him when he's, like, trying to explain this tortured mindset. Um, 
And then because he's able to do that and because she's able to kind of show him that other side, Mm -hmm. that's when they can both grow together. Yeah. I think they both have very, like, similar, but, like, I I look at their, like, quote, character arcs Mm -hmm. and it's such, like, honestly, it's kind of two little things. Like, I feel like Zach Braff's character arc is, like, I can, like, chill, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and then hers is kind of minor as well. Like, I don't think yeah. even he has a major character arc. I think it's just realizing, like, those small realizations that yeah. you have control over your own path in life. And that, like, that is something that can happen to you in three days. Yeah. Is realizing, like, like I think you can have a mindset change like that. Yeah. And, like, we're making this movie sound really deep, but it's really just a charm. I would say it's charming. Yeah, it's charming. Like, when my roommate was watching it with me, um, he was like, oh, where is this from? I went, 2004. And it is shot on film, right? I don't know. I'm a bad, I'm a bad um, I think it consumer. is. I think, I think they were talking about okay. it in the behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, but, like, it just has that look to it. Oh, yeah. And but it's that not to like... me automatically is, it's like, that is charming. And then it's just like, oh, there's a scene where he's waking up and talking with his friend, his friend's mom, and a random guy that, in a night costume. Yeah, who happens to be Jim Parsons. Yeah. The straightest he's ever looked in a role. I agree. Even though um, it has that charming look, as you're saying, I don't think it dates itself in its, like, visuals. Mm. Um, I mean, people say that. It just gets worse with time. It's going to get worse with time mm. and its reception, which I agree with. But I think you can. there are still people who will find, like, the good in it. Yeah, and I feel like so many of even, like, the biggest, most, like, critically acclaimed, like, hit movies yeah. also will age bad with time. Yeah. In, in one way or another. Because, like, we're constantly changing, like, what we find to be quality and then what mm-hmm. content we like. And, at the, and as you at the time, age, things yeah, will age. True. Because maybe, maybe, I'm going to say it, maybe I'll watch this in five years and be like, why did I like it? But I don't think so because my mom watched it, my dad watched it, they liked it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that their <laughs> their um, opinions are paramount to anybody else's. But um, I'm just saying that there are people who are older who can still appreciate yeah, it that's what the redditors were talking about they're like i liked it in my 20s but yeah. now that i'm older i don't and it's okay. to- i think it's totally valid the people who don't like it you like kids movies as a kid and now you don't probably true except some of those still are really good like bolt like bolt and surf's up and rise of the guardians <laughs> but we digress and how to trade your jacket yeah but we digress we digress <laughs> um it's just, I think that kind of category of movie has not shown up recently. Not that I can think of. I don't think so, but that's why I'm really excited to see The Holdovers. Do you remember oh, the trailer for that? Yes. Because um, even though it looks like it'll have like an overarching plot and kind yeah. of more of like a... Do you think it's More of a deeper a... meeting, but it's still gonna, it's still got that like look and feel where I'm like, oh my god, it's just gonna be like a... Yeah, it's like searching for more of those movies that feel like a hug. Ew. Yeah. But and I and I and those don't come with huge extravagant. No, they're indie plots. films. Yeah. They're indie films. They're simple. I mean, not to like underestimate the writing skills of these people, but they're pretty simple. 
they're easily filmable and they become like loved by the people who watch yeah. it i feel do you feel that way about florida project florida project like almost i think it's more i think it cuts deeper yeah because these movies not to say that they don't have an impact but you could watch them and continue on mm-hmm. and still love them florida project like that's something that's like oh to the soul yeah that one was crazy i was there when courtney watched that that girl sobbed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also sobbed jojo rabbit <laughs> jojo rabbit that Ooh. was crazy um wow i'm seeing the last shot in my head and i'm like i can't i can't do it yeah i love watching movies with courtney because um i know i've done good when she's like crying at the end when she stays awake for the whole thing that too she's very prone to uh mid-movie naps but sometimes mm-hmm. somehow she knows the entire plot by the end i swear i just oh. like i wake up at the right times like what was the one we were watching um where i was like it, it was we had such a like oh i'm thinking of ending things oh i hated that sorry guys okay wait i can't I, just... I wish it was more puzzle i wish it was more i think that's <laughs> i can't what my just drop a giant was. movie opinion like in the middle of this and not elaborate but i can't even get into it. i'm thinking of ending things i can't even remember the plot Here's the thing, I'll fall asleep during it, wake up during it, realize what the plot is, go back to sleep, because I can predict the next ten minutes. And we need to have, like, another episode with you on, because you, she has this crazy thing where she loves spoilers, Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. I I understand it, because you explain it really well, but personally, I do not subscribe to that. Yeah, sometimes I... Like with, um, ooh, Gilmore Girls is a great example because I realized... Does that that, have a spoiler? Well, here's the thing. I got to the last season, right? And I didn't like how it was going. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the ending and I'm like, oh, I don't... I don't feel like watching that. That's not not what I want to happen. It's not worth your time. Exactly. It's like, well, I'm not going to watch 20 episodes. Let me call up the writers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't avoid spoilers, I guess. Yeah. Does it help you focus more on, like, do you like to focus more on the acting or the technical aspects or what? I guess I focus more on the acting. Um, But, like, I can really appreciate, like, the good technical aspects. And I can really diss on the bad ones. Yeah. If you got bad sound mixing in your movie and I have to turn the volume up and down every five minutes, I am... Talking a star on yeah. the rating. Courtney is really um, privy to sound mixing, and I would say you're good on um, lighting. Yeah. And oh, continu- and continuity. Ooh, continuity. The the best way to make me turn off a movie is like if it's like bad continuity. You should be a script supervisor. That's the yeah, but that has job. so much more too. Yeah. I don't but... really care about line continuity. Yeah. I think, and that's one like. Well, it also depends on directors, but like in one of my acting classes, it was like. Like, don't worry about the lines, because that, that's the editor's job. Do you think um, you would want to be a writer? I think I could be. Yeah. And, like, I, I have ideas. Like, if one day... You think one day you could, if you wanted to, sit down and write something? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because um, I did that writing for that one theater class, mm-hmm. and, like, I reala- I, like, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm like, ugh. Like, I have to think of everything. Yeah. Like, I really... 
it's a lot of things I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how people act because it's, I feel it's so far away from me, so I need to take an acting class. I don't know how people write. Hold for the plane. I love the power of editing. Yeah, I, um, I feel re really far away from acting, which is why I really want to take an acting class because it's so unfamiliar to me. Like, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how you do it. Um, like, all these techniques and just appearing genuine in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. It feels like another eye watching me. And, like, what do you mean? Like, like, you feel weird, right? Is being watched, like, by an actor... For an actor, is being watched something that is exciting and, like, fun? Or is it a personal journey? Honestly, the thought, like, the thought of a sold-out theater, the thought of being yeah. watched, it's weird to me beforehand, but mm -hmm. it's, like, once I get to the show day and, like, I see the crowd, like, or once I get onto set, um, it's different because I've... It's also a different mindset, like, once you're started, like, once you're on stage, once you're behind a camera, like, that's when the work starts. Yeah. Because in a way, it's sharing your art. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, part of how I act is a soft focus. To what where, is that? So, when I do a soft focus, um, like, for a camera, I, I basically put myself directly into where I am, mm -hmm. and I ignore everything else. Okay. Um, so, if I we were in a scene together, my soft focus, I would literally just be looking at you. Yeah. And that is like, and we're not I would, in a closet right I now. Would, yeah. I would live in this. Okay. Um, like but that's, I just ignore the camera. Do you take in your setting or is it just your, Oh, you mean me? like of the scene? Either way. Yeah. Like it, you got to put yourself into your body mm -hmm. and that is some, especially with film acting. Cause one thing with film acting is you're so the camera's so close to you, it can see anything that isn't un like genuine. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like a lot of times, stage fright comes with looking at yourself from outside of yourself, and being super self aware mm. of what you're doing. Like, how I do think... I look? How am I talking? Yeah. And the moment you start doing that is the moment like you lose focus. The moment you recognize the camera, you see the people, you see the stage lights, you feel like how hot it is. Like. Yeah. Does that come with practice or does that come with just a mindset change? I would say both because I know like in second grade when I started doing theater, it was like very hard and I was like playing with my costume the entire time. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, why were you playing with your shirt the entire time? <laughs> yeah. It is ruined it just the whole thing. Adjusting your focus to something else so you can really get in your head. Yeah, it really is that. And then also I think what helped was starting with theater and it just yeah. being like the stage lights. Yeah. Or sometimes even, like, on some of the film sets I've been on, it's just the lights that I can see. It, like, blinds yeah. you, essentially. So you you don't have any incentive to look at where the other people That's are. That's true. Or else you just get blinded. those are truly blinding. And you can't, you can't see your face unless no. you're really close. I also don't know how people um, deal with lights in their eyes that long. Because I will do lighting tests in front of the camera, and I will be, like, blind for the next mm, 15 minutes. I just don't look directly into it. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look at the lights. <laughs> okay, you look beyond them? Yeah, I look beyond them or I just, like, kind of look lower. Yeah, I'm just astonished when people can, like, some, like, my friends in my classes who could just, like, pick up their, put on their acting hat and completely step into something and take it seriously. Like, I think my problem is... I want to take it seriously, but I take it as a joke when I'm myself I'm doing it because I'm like, oh, I, Emma, Emma could never act. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it that I 
feel like but i know what a character should feel like and look like in their like role like i can see it but i could just never see it for myself you know but i think that's because you're you're i think looking at yourself from outside and how other people would see you yeah and that really surprises me um (laughs) yeah because like every other time it's like oh i don't care what they think i don't care what they think um that's why we're in therapy (laughs) (laughs) yippee (laughs) but it's really being like everybody here knows what's on the script they know what i'm about to do okay or like that's really interesting even even with the plays or like movies that people come to see Mm -hmm. they don't know anything about it's like then they know i'm acting yeah what do you think it's like for people like adam driver who don't don't, like they're really brilliant but they don't know they don't want to see themselves on the screen is that just a disconnect between the person that they're stepping into and their real life um is that method well i don't the reason that i sometimes don't like watching myself or um like my acting teacher die doesn't like watching herself is because you can so easily judge yourself yeah like when i was in my acting for film class die didn't die like told me not to watch my stuff yeah more than once Mm -hmm. like and just pick the take once and then don't watch it Mm -hmm. um because she knows that like i judge myself so bad yeah like she'll have no she'll have no notes but i'm looking at it i'm like Mm-mm, that's all wrong that's all wrong i look like i'm dead inside yeah is it restricting on your for- like future performances because you get so involved in critiquing yourself i don't think so because like i don't critique myself in the moment yeah now now at least i don't yeah. um i used to like now i just do what i like need to do mm-hmm. and then like if the director has a critique like i don't need to see what the director is saying they can yeah. just critique me yeah and i'll <clears throat> I'll adjust to that. Is it sometimes hard taking in a director's notes when you don't agree with them? But it's yes. Your job. Oh my god! It's your job to in Mother Courage right now, which is a Brecht play, and Brecht is very, um, he's very intent on letting the audiences be reminded that they are in a play. Really, and um, like it's there's almost a level of absurdity, mm-hmm. but it's really just like. I'm going to remind you here and there that, like, maybe with a fourth wall break or yeah. something like that, that this is a play. Like, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you're not here to be immer- immersed. Yeah. But I think the current director is taking that in a way of it doesn't have to be serious. Oh. And it, he's leaning more into the absurd when Mother Courage about this is about this war-stricken, like, continent. It's about the Thirty Years' War. And, you know this woman spoiler alert (laughs) loses her children yeah um and there's all these awful things that happen but he wants like us to be wacky yeah and so i have this scene and he's like courtney you're just like not being big enough and i'm like well all i'm doing is standing here and talking Uh um but i i think that's because i just really like a realistic grounded approach but is but, it an actor's job to put that past them and deliver what the director wants? It is, yeah. Okay. But it's also... I feel like that would it's be a, so hard. It's a matter of a compromise. So it's like, I'll get bigger and yeah. I'll, I'll take his notes. But like... Uh, it's just like, oh, I don't Do like you think this. it's important for directors to take an acting class at some point? To understand? Yeah. 
Like in film directors too? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Oh, or at least like read about acting techniques yeah because there's like so much like some directors just think that you're always on yeah and some some actors do stay in character the entire time they're on set i i don't take the character outside of the camera Mm -hmm. so like um like if i'm sit down if i'm sitting down on my and i'm in my place and i'm just waiting uh for like the lights to go on and to start rolling i'm usually in character by then Mm-hmm. But especially with the harder ones, like, that does not leave the room that I'm filming in. Yeah. Um, other other than, like, the preparation that I do, if it's, like, if it needs a lot of character. Do directors, they can have requests on how to, they, how they want your character to be portrayed or manipulated, and is it sometimes just not realistic? Yeah. And then it, it just leads to, like... A conversation between the actor and the director mm-hmm. um and because sometimes the actor will develop a part of a character um like depending on the technique like people will make certain parts up for their character just within themselves yeah. like that not even the director would know like mm-hmm. like having a secret um i think the actors do end up knowing their characters better than the director Mm. um because i think like i when i do a character i see everything in the in the film through the character's perspective and i have no idea really while a director is trying to while a director is trying to make all of the perspectives understood yeah um like and i think directors can have very intimate understandings of a character and their intent especially Mm if they wrote the the movie as well yeah um but at the same time like the actor could be like well i think like this person might yeah really have this motive like and there there might be this subtext that's there and the director can agree or disagree um but I, i do think at the end of the day like if the director is really like intent that this is how the character needs to be in this moment yeah like kind of just I think about Florence Pugh and <clears throat> how much how much um Midsummer was like a toll on her but she's so proud of that movie. Mm. Um I guess we're it circles back to Florence Pugh. Yeah. <laughs> it all circles back to Florence Pugh. She's so good. <laughs> she's so yeah. good. Is that just like a ability to appear genuine as whoever you are in front of the camera? Yeah, and and so and um, was it Meisner? I don't know. Somebody said that acting is just living truthfully mm-hmm. in given circumstances, mm-hmm. and I very much like go on that. I take what my truth would be in a circumstance, and that is usually what I act, unless I know from either the script or just facts about the character that they would respond differently. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's kind of a meshing of knowing how the character would respond because of their lived experiences and combining that with, like, mine as well. Yeah. And I think that has is what has made the most genuine stuff. Yeah. Because, I mean, there have been, like, sides that I've read where she has been kidnapped and her mother is dead. I've never been kidnapped. Yeah. My mother is not dead. Yeah. But I, like... 
I think I match together what that would feel like. Yeah. Um, it's it's the magic if that as if. I think that I was gonna say that to be an actor, I think it takes a lot of empathy, but a lot of actors out there are very bad people. <laughs> but yeah, I, I it, don't know. It just depends. Do you think I they think. just get? Do you think their egos get so blown up that they forget? Yeah, I think that becomes an ego thing. It's in in the. There are sometimes where a character, especially people that play the same type of character a mm-hmm. lot, um, you can really kind of copy and paste. True. And the more you do that, I think the less effort you start to put in if you're always playing the same type of character. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if they make the career off of being like a nerdy high schooler all the time, they might get lazy and then they get like mm-hmm. an ego. Yeah, and I think it's also um, public perception. If people perceive this person as that nor- nerdy high school boy, yeah, you will get very disappointed. That's the part I'm like most worried about. I'm like, I don't want to like have like, if I have a breakout role, yeah, like only be defined by that breakout role. Mm. One hit wonders, acting. Yeah, but like not even as a one hit wonder because you can have like people that are in so many like good things like Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Like, he's known for Spider-Man, but he's really good in Devil All the Time. He's really yeah. good in The Crowded Room. I mean, he was really good. Um, I did watch a bootleg of his him and Billy Elliot, and he was really good in that. He was really good in The Impossible. He has all these things that, like, he's really good in. He's a really good actor. But at the end of the day, he's always going to be Spider-Man. I think, I think Tom Holland has surpassed that. But I think it's... I think he's about to. Because now he's he's getting too old to be... Oh. A teenager, and with this like next Spider-Man trilogy, yeah, they're gonna have to address that. I think I need something like Zendaya, like, like she has a wide variety of oh, roles. Oh yeah, where she's not, he's, she's not nailed down to one character. Yeah, it's like you can have her in an intense drama like Euphoria, and you can have her have like lightheartedness in mm-hmm. Spider-Man, and then you can. But people don't pin her down to one person. Yeah. Like, she's not only Cece from Shake It Up. She's yeah. not only Rue from Euphoria, even that's been, even though that's been her biggest thing. Yeah. She's Zendaya. Yeah. And I'm Emma Glicker. And you are? Courtney Waybright. And I think we made a podcast. <gasps> yes! <laughs> yes! Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you enjoy sitting in my roommate's closet? I did. Aw. Um, hopefully we she get to do this know. again sometime. Well, I'll tell her after this. Don't okay. <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug, Courtney? Follow Courtney L. Waybright on Instagram and come see Mother Courage. And cast her in big movies. Yeah, cast me in all your little student films and then your big films. When yeah. When y'all are rich and famous, yeah. I can be rich and famous too. Yeah. So yeah. that when we get our Oscars. Okay. Oscars by 29, girl. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. can be, we can be um. outside the door, I guess. That would still be at the Oscars. Yeah, true. I'm one degree away of separation away from Adam Sandler, so we're close. We're close to the Oscars? Yeah. Okay. Join me again for full-length episodes with a new guest every time. I hope you're as excited as I am. Come find Industry Wannabe on Instagram at Industry Wannabe for behind-the-scenes updates and more. Let's talk media.